All right. Well, good evening. How are you guys feeling? Feeling good? Awesome. All right, did you guys enjoy the ramen? Yes. Okay. All right, this question really quick. This is a, I was having a conversation with somebody uh, right as we started eating the ramen. I didn't realize people actually ate shrimp-flavored ramen. <laughs> That's the thing? So people like, like the shrimp flavor? I see mostly no's, like two yeses. Okay, so what, what, we got chicken fans, beef fans. Okay, I'm a chicken fan myself. But anyway, ramen is fun, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. Well, welcome to Genesis. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here. And so here at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that you came with an open heart tonight because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we're glad you guys are here. Throughout this month, you've heard us talking about this, that uh, throughout this month, we were doing a fundraiser for Mission Hope. And uh, throughout this month, we were cutting costs on our end of the budget to give a uh, significant amount to Mission Hope and, and what they do. And we're asking and challenging you guys to do the same, to, to cut costs in your own life, to be able to give to this fundraiser so that we can hand over a good amount of money to them at the end of the month. And we actually have a, a video for you guys tonight. Uh, and so if you would, take a look at the screen. This kind of shows what they do. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah, we can give it up for that. So, yeah, so when you guys give to Genesis, uh, whether that's through tithe, through offering, whatever it is, on a month-by-month basis, that's where some of the money is going. And so, and also when you give to this fundraiser, that's where it's going. It's to those two villages that he was talking about in Nicaragua. So I think that's something we can get behind. So we have two weeks left to give. We've actually, we've, we've got, already brought in uh, a fair amount, and so... I'm excited to see where this goes. So also this past Thursday, uh, episode two of the Genesis Continued podcast came out. I don't know if you guys, did you guys listen to that? Yeah, a couple, yeah. so that was really good. That was, uh, yeah, very like short and sweet uh, this week, and it was just packed with a lot of wisdom. So, all right, let me ask you to get this thing going tonight. Who likes to cook or bake? Anybody? Okay. Wow, a, lot, a good bit of you. Okay, so I would say that I could get by when it comes to cooking, but I, I, it is definitely not my forte, uh, as some would say. Like, I could survive, but I'm not very good at, uh, good at it. Uh, for example, I once set our toaster on fire. Um, I also once tried to dethaw chicken with hot water, which apparently you're not supposed to do that. Uh, really not even sure why, but I got yelled at for doing that. Um, but I have improved a good bit over the years, I guess. Um, Emily used to be a, a tax accountant, and so January through April, she would work like 70-hour weeks and get home at 7 or 8 o'clock, and she's pretty good at cooking, and so uh, because she wasn't there to do it, I had to learn how to cook, and so we got these these things called HelloFresh boxes. I think you guys have probably heard of them. Okay, so these things are awesome. So they like send these meal kits to you in the mail, and they tell you like step-by-step step how to make the meal, and like they give the simple instructions that I need in my life, okay? So I love those things, and that kind of helped me get familiar with some things in the kitchen. But the frustrating thing about cooking is that you are never given the final product. You're just given the ingredients, right? Like, it's not like you're at a restaurant where you just order a meal and it comes out finished. Like, you have to take the ingredients and you have to make something with it. And, and so before you start cooking, all you've got is just a bunch of ingredients sitting around. And when they are put together in some combination, you know, usually listed out in a recipe, you get the final product. But to start the process, the thing is, is you have to be convinced that the meal that you're making is something that you want, right? You see the picture on the recipe, see the picture online or whatever, and you're, you're, con- you're convinced that that's what I'm making. And so these ingredients are going to lead me to that. And so I want to say this tonight to get us started. If you can trust the product, 
you can trust the process. If you can trust the product, you can trust the process. How would your perspective on your life change if you believed that God was as much in the final product of your life as he was in the process to get you there? That he was in the ingredients as much as he was in the meal, that he was in the, the, the journey as much as he was in the destination. Tonight, we are continuing our walk through Romans 8. So I'm gonna pray, and then we will jump into the verses for tonight. So pray with me. God, I thank you so much for bringing us here together. I thank you for a chance to hang out together, uh, spend time together. And, and also, God, I thank you tonight for your word. And I pray that it would speak to us tonight, that, that your voice would speak louder than my own, and that it would not fall on deaf ears, but instead, God, open hearts, and they would walk out of here closer to you than when we came in. We trust you with tonight. In Jesus' name, we all sat together. Amen. Awesome. So we'll be starting in Romans 8, 18 tonight. And uh, while you're turning there, I'll summarize the last two weeks for you. Over the last two weeks, we've seen that, that Jesus did the work on the scoreboard, and so we are to do the work on the dashboard. In other words, that we can rest in our salvation, but we are to, to monitor how we are living our life, either, either living in the spirit or in the flesh. And we try to honor God with our life. And while we're doing so, we can rest in the fact that we are children of God. We have the, the spirit of God. We've been adopted into God's family, and we're a co-heir with Christ, that though we did nothing, we have everything. And so we'll pick back up in verse 18 tonight. And uh, this is uh, Romans 8, 18 through 25. And this is what it says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth uh, comparing with the glory that is to be re revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So we read a pretty big chunk of verses there. And, and what you get is almost this six-verse version of the story of God, like a zoomed-out, 50,000-foot view of the story of God. And so in the first verse, Paul says that, that he considers that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the, the glory that is to come. And then he elaborates on that. And so if you wanted to simplify the story of God down to four parts, this is what you would have. You would have creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And so this is, a lot of people will call this the meta-narrative. It's just a fancy word for the overall story, okay? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And so he mentions creation and the fall, saying that creation was subjected to futility by him who subjected it. And futility is another way of saying useless. And this is a reference to Adam. And so he's saying that creation was made sinful through one man's actions, and we are all affected by that. And then he moves on and he mentions redemption and saying that the earth awaited the, the coming of Christ. And he actually uses this metaphor saying that it was like the, the pains of childbirth. And so Jesus came and he did his work on the cross and he began this salvation work that saved us from our sin, but the world that we live in is still broken. It's still a fallen place. And so in those four stages, creation, fall, 
redemption, restoration, the first three have been checked off, okay? The world has been created, the man, man has fallen, Jesus has come and redeemed us, and now we are waiting on restoration. And so we are living between the redemption stage and the restoration stage. And so anyone who lives on this side of the cross is uh, been redeemed but is waiting on the restoration to come. We've been internally redeemed by Jesus, but he has yet to return to fix things externally. And this is why that though Jesus has set us free from the penalty of sin, we still live in a, a world that is broken and, and messed up. And so we see this in the, in the verses where, where Paul says that we wait for what is to come. And so Paul introduces us to this, this heavenly hope, this hope for what is coming, something we can't see yet, but something we wait for with patience. And so with this, with this in mind, how does that change the way that you hear that first verse? That first verse, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so he's saying that the hope of what will happen helps us have hope for what will happen and it eases the pain of what is happening right now. So the, the saying that the hope of what will happen eases the pain of what is happening right now. And so you may have come in here tonight dealing with, with pain or with tough circumstances or with tough situations, and you may look at your life and you have countless questions as to why something happened in your past or why something is happening right now, what you're dealing with right now. And, and when you see the words suffering of this present time, you may think, that's me. It's, it's this present time and I'm suffering. I'm dealing with pain, I'm dealing with, with loss or with uncertainty and with trouble. I'm dealing with past or present emotional or physical pain. I'm experiencing some suffering in this present time. Most people living between redemption and restoration, we are sure to endure struggle and pain in our life. And I wanna tell you tonight that the only way that you can maintain hope in the midst of that is having hope that something better is coming. The hope of heaven relieves the exhaustion we feel on the earth. And the only, wild, only way to, to reconcile with the brokenness of this life and this world is to take our eyes off the mess, off the, the brokenness of our life and put our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because if we can trust the product, we can trust the process. If you can trust the destination, you can trust the journey. So as Paul continues, we'll see some, some more reason to have hope in the midst of struggle. So let's keep reading. This is the next two verses. 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So Paul says something really awesome here that I feel like is as Christians, we you know, may have glossed over. I don't, I don't know why this isn't talked about more, but this is an incredible thought. He says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us, that he prays for us. And not just random prayers, but prayers that are in tune with the will of God. He says that we often don't know what to pray for, and so the Spirit prays for us, and we otherwise have no idea that it's happening. That the Holy Spirit living inside of us prays for things we don't even know that we need. So have you ever been in a spot where in life, where you, life has just broken you and you think, man, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I, I don't know what to even pray for. I don't, I don't know where God is in all of this. I, I'm at a loss for words. In those moments, isn't it comforting to know that the Spirit is praying for you? 
knowing exactly what you need, knowing exactly what is happening and knowing exactly what to say. And the Spirit and God are aligned. And so when the Spirit prays, it, it prays in tune with the will of God. And because those prayers are in tune with the will of God, those prayers are always answered with a yes. And so in the midst of your struggle and your circumstances, you gotta know that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and he's not just chilling in there with his feet up. He's advocating for you. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. And he knows exactly what you need when you need it. And so though we're walking through a life that is tough and walking through a life and full of struggles and, and, and situations that we don't understand, we gotta know we're not walking through it alone. We've got the Holy Spirit helping us in our weakness. Let's keep reading in these next three verses. We're gonna see this, this all come together tonight. This is 28 through 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So Paul tells us here that, that for those who love God, that he works all things together for the good, and he works all things together to conform us to the image of Jesus. He says that he predestined us, he justified us, meaning that he saved us, and then one day he'll glorify us. In other words, that he'll finish what he started. And I love these verses because they show us how to take this, this earthly mess that we find ourselves in and make some heavenly sense out of it. Now, I wanna focus on verses 28 and 29. Verse 28 says that God works all things together for the good, all things. And verse 28 is the fun verse, right? It's the verse that everybody knows. It's the popular verse. It's the well-known verse that all things work together for the good of those who love God, right? And yeah, you think, man, that's awesome. That, that's incredible. I like when good wins. I like when good, uh, good defeats bad. I like when there's a happy ending. And so when God says all things, he means all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the joy and the pain, the, the, the highs and the lows, the valleys, the mountaintops, the good and the bad, whether you are enjoying your life or you are at best enduring your life right now, God is working it together for the good. And you need to know tonight that, like I said, whether you are enjoying your life or enduring your life, not a moment is being wasted. God says that he will never leave us or forsake us. And there's nothing that happens in your life that takes him by surprise. Every frustration with friends, every hurt at home, every test that you take, every coworker conversation, all of it, is being worked together for the good. Jesus wins in the end. And so this whole night has centered on this one thought, that if you can trust the product, you can trust the process. And so before we get into the next verse, I wanted to tell you a recent thought that I had about this. So a few weeks ago before, before service, there were a couple of car accidents that caused a lot of traffic, and it... Uh, help people up from getting here, and, and uh, when I left service that night, I saw three more car accidents, uh, you know, some of which that were, looked pretty bad, and that night when I got home, uh, Emily told me, she was like, hey, you know, I've just had the best day that I've had in a long time. I, I've, I've, I, I felt God 
closer than I have in, in a long time. I couldn't help but think, you know, that's, that's awesome. You know, praise God for that. But for the people in those car accidents, this is like the worst day of their life. And they're, they're probably wondering where in the world God was. They're not feeling him close. They're, they're probably feeling like, God, where were you? And so somehow, living in this broken world, we have to reconcile those realities with the truth that God works all things together for the good. Because that's hard to do. In verse 29, we see better how to reconcile those realities. And we see this process we've been talking about unfold right in front of us. In verse 29 is this follow-up verse that tells us that, that though God works all things together for the good, he also uses all things to work together to do something else, too. Verse 28 is so encouraging and uplifting. It's the popular, well-known, encouraging verse. And then you read verse 29, and it says, yeah, I use all things to work together for the good, but I also use all things together to conform you to the image of Christ. And so you read verse 28, and you're like, yes, this is awesome. And then you read verse 29, and you see, oh, this might be harder than I thought. And that's where the tension arises. Why? Because when something is conformed, it's sculpted, it's forged, it's shaped, carved into a mold. So if God uses all things to conform us to the mold of Christ, then he has to sculpt and shape and forge us to fit that mold. And so not only is God working all things for the good, he also uses all things to make us more like Jesus. And, and conforming to the image of Jesus is not easy. So God will often take the, the pressure of life and the struggle of life, the, the pain of life, and channel it to make you more like Jesus. We've talked about this before a few months ago, but think about, think about when a rocket goes to space. A rocket leaves Earth in, in one piece but made of three, and it goes, as it goes further into the atmosphere, it has to shed those stages to be light enough to make it to where it needs to go. And so the same is for us. That, yeah, when, when Jesus found us, we were a mess. Yeah, yeah, we're still a mess. Would you agree? We're still a mess. And so he wants us to be more like him. And so he uses this increased pressure of life to help us shed those stages, those stages of pride, those stages of self-righteousness, those, those stages of sin, so that we can be light enough to reach our goal, which is Christ-likeness. And so if you wanna get, if you wanna get further, you gotta get lighter. So he'll use that, that person who treated you poorly to show you, hey, don't treat others poorly. He'll use that situation that wasn't fair to maybe be more sympathetic to others. He'll use that, that, that struggle to teach you to trust him more in the future. In our life, not a moment is wasted. And so, yes, God works all things together for the good, but he uses all things to make us more like Jesus. And so if we know that's the end goal, if we know that's the, the target on the wall, if we can trust that that's the product, then we can trust the process that God uses to get us there. And one thing I want to make clear for you tonight, that you need to know that even though we all have the, the same target on the wall, everybody's process is different. I want to say that again. I want you to hear that tonight. That though we all have the same target on the wall, not everybody's process is the same. Everybody's process is different. You know, it's so easy to look over at someone and wonder why they're not struggling or wonder why their life is 
the way that it is or why it seems like they have it all figured out. You need to know that none of us are immune from a broken world. This world's undefeated when it comes to bringing hurt and pain. And so just because that person may not be walking in it now doesn't mean that they never will. And so it's best to keep your eyes on your own race and your own process. Live life with people, uh, be in community with people, but keep your eyes on your own process. You know, when I, I used to have this thought when I would go to the gym, I know this is terrible, okay, you guys can judge me. I used to have this thought when I would go to the gym and I would walk in and I would see what somebody is lifting and I would think of, no, I would not say this out loud, this is terrible. I'm saying it out loud now, but not then. I would think this thought like, oh, that's all I got? I could do that, I could do that easily. And then it dawned on me, I do less weight at the end of my workout compared to the beginning because I'm tired. And so I can't judge what somebody else is lifting because I don't know the work that they've put in before I got there. And so in your life, you can't judge what somebody else is going through or judge the way somebody is acting because you don't know what they've been carrying before you showed up. So with all this in mind, there should be a radical perspective shift in your life. That if you know that all things work together for the good and all things work together to make you more like Jesus, it should, it should change the way that you see your life. And so think about how would that change the way that you see your past. Think about your past. Maybe a, a, a situation or a relationship or a mistake or uh, maybe even good things about your past. How would it change the way that you see your past? How would it change the way you see your present? What you're walking through right now? What you're dealing with right now? How would that change the way that you see your future? What you're worried about? What you're anxious about? It's possible that when you start seeing life this way, that you can stop seeing what happened in your past as just as something painful, as just as something hurtful, and start looking for how God is using that now. It's possible when you do this, you can look at your life in the present and you can be less confused or less worrisome because you know that you can rest in knowing that God has got you right where he wants you. You can also look in the future and maybe you can stop dreading it or stop being anxious about it because you know that whatever comes your way, good or bad, God's not gonna waste it. How would it change the way that you view your struggle as a young adult? The concerns that you have about relationships, the concerns you have about your job or your career or your time at college. We have an easier time trusting God with those things when we believe that not one second of our life is wasted by God. When we believe that really all things work together for the good and all things work together to make us more like Jesus. So if you would, go ahead and stand up with me. I want to leave you with this thought tonight. If you guys have ever seen a tapestry before, Ben, hold on a second. You ever seen a tapestry before? It's this big piece of fabric, and it's usually got this really awesome picture on one side, and on the other side, it's just this bunch of just different strings, different uh, pieces of yarn going different directions. A lot of times, that's how our life looks. It looks like one big mess. All we see is, you know, these different, this different strings going one way and things going another way. And we don't know why this happened or why this, is, this hasn't happened yet. And we can't really make sense of it. I want to tell you, one day when we step from where we are into that restoration time, 
God just takes that tapestry and he flips it over. And we get to see this beautiful picture that he's been creating our entire life. The mess that we see now will not be a mess one day. Things will come together. Things will make sense. When we step into eternity, when we step out of the box we're in, into the restoration box, and that last thing gets checked off, and Jesus comes back and he set things right, when he wipes away every tear, when he says pain is no more, tears are no more, sin is no more, he flips that, pa- that tapestry over, and we get to see this beautiful picture that God has been creating for all of time. And that should free us up to confidently follow Jesus and not worry about what comes our way. Bad string, good string, bad event, good event. I'm enjoying my life. I'm enduring my life. Whatever comes our way, nothing is wasted. It all goes into the final product. And what? If you can trust the final product, you can trust the process. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that, that though we just are just a, a bunch of messed up ingredients, you are using us to create something beautiful. And every single one of us came in here tonight with a story. Every single one of us came in here tonight with a past, with, with something to, to deal with, something to reconcile with. And tonight, I hope that we leave here tonight with a different view of what happened then. So, no, God, you were with us then. You were, you were in the ingredients as much as you are in the product. And, God, I pray that tonight we would see our present differently. The thing that we're worried about, the thing that we're dealing with, the thing that we're walking through. God, that we would not see it as just another struggle, just to see it as another, uh, another mistake or another failure or another thing to, to worry about, God, but instead we see it as an opportunity to trust you more and to see how you're gonna use it, knowing that not a second is wasted. And also hope for the people coming here tonight that were worried about tomorrow, worried about the future, worried about the years to come, that they wouldn't walk out of here worried, wouldn't walk, walk out of here worrisome or anxious, but instead they walk out of here confident in who you are, that the good, the bad, the ugly, you work all things together for the good and you work all things to make us more like your son. And so tonight as we move into worship, God, that's the only choice we have. We can't control what comes our way. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how much we worship. And so tonight, as a group of people, we get to worship like people in a process, like a group of people who are, making, who are getting made more like Jesus, as a group of people who are getting uh, worked together for the good. So God, I thank you for the blood of your son that took us from the fall to restoration. And I thank you for your power that's gonna take us from restoration, from redemption to restoration. We trust you with this, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Think about that tonight, guys. You got one choice. One thing you control is how much you worship. And so together tonight, let's worship like a group of people who are in a process.